0: Valentine's Day to everybody tomorrow. It's a good video to watch about love. Uh, it makes me think about about weddings. I love doing weddings. I've done many weddings now. Um, and and before I even get into the wedding uh, analogy, you know, sometimes when I was like long time ago when I was single, I always called Valentine's Day Singles Awareness Day because it made me. Painfully aware of my singleness, and sometimes we're guilty of elevating marriage as somehow greater than or better than singleness. And I think that's not fair, and it's not wrong. It is wrong, because if you're single, you need to know there's no shame in that game, and and that that's a calling too. Be celibate and singleness, or uh, it, it's not better or worse. Okay, so I think I wanted to make that clear. I think we don't say that enough. If you're a single person, know that you're just as important to God as anyone else is. Um, but I do love doing uh, weddings and all that sort of thing. And, of course, I've got a lot of stories. A lot of pastors have stories about weddings they've done. I remember uh, one time uh, I was waiting in the wings with the groom, as you do at weddings, looking through the peephole of the door when what was going to be our cue to go in. Now, the bride, to save money, she was playing music off a Spotify playlist uh, in the booth up above, right? And so when this song was over, that was our cue to go in the door. So the song's about to end. I'm like, okay, groom. Let's go, and before I go in, another song started to play, and I, was, I heard it, and I thought, no, 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 not that song, no, 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 and I looked through the people, and everyone's standing, and they had their hand over their heart, and they're looking at the flag. <laughs> For some reason, the national anthem started playing through her phone to everyone there, and so when I walked out with the groom, I almost said, play ball. I was like, this is like baseball game or something, you know? Um, so we do, we have... Weddings, now there's a TV show I may or may not have watched. That's called Married at First Sight. Where people sign up for the show and they pair you with someone else and with relationship experts. And the first time you meet them is on the altar that first day. You've never met these people before. So you marry them sight unseen, okay? And then the reality show part plays out, of course. Now people are nervous. I remember this one guy walked up and he was just like sort of awkward with this uh, thing of flowers. And um, he had a, almost a gloomy expression on his, fl- his face. Uh, he was clearly nervous. But then the doors open and he sees her for the first time. And his expression changes, right? when he, She's a beautiful woman. When he sees her, he was like, oh, this is not a dreaded duty anymore. This is going better than I thought it would. I'm really delighted with how this is turning out for me right now. Um, but what had changed what changed, right, was that he saw her. He saw her, and then everything changed about his demeanor and his, his opinion about what was getting ready to happen. Sometimes in worship, we can worship God out of obligation. We can, we can be like the, the groom holding the flowers sort of dutifully up to God. You know, you, you kind of drag yourself into it. We've all been there. Uh, you force yourself to do it. Maybe you times, sometimes your heart is really, isn't really in it, and sometimes you feel like nothing's really grounding you, nothing is really sustaining you, uh, to make you want to do it, and and we're, we're trying to live lives of worship, uh, but it can feel burdensome. It can almost feel religious in the worst sense of the word. It can feel joyless, if you will, um, and so in the same way, what can change that? Well, like the guy seeing his bride, sometimes just seeing God. Can change your perspective about worship, reminding you what it's really about, that there's a grounding and a sustaining to his presence in worship, that worship, it grounds us in what is true. Even when we don't feel it for the day, the worship, it grounds us and brings us back to what's true. It's the same with marriage. When you take take those vows, the vows are designed, ideally, to bring you back, right, to what's true, and that it's not there to ruin your fun, but there's safety in that covenant. There's freedom actually in that exclusivity. There's and it keeps you grounded, ideally, right in that, that relationship. There's freedom there. I mean, those of you that are in a relationship, or you're married, or whatever, imagine if you walked out of your house one day and you didn't say goodbye to your husband or your wife. You didn't kiss them goodbye. You never texted them. You showed up in random hours. You didn't. You didn't. You know. Participate in the marriage whatsoever. Now you could say you're married, right, and word, but indeed uh, that would not be the case. There would be your relationship would suffer in that way, right? And it's the same way with worship too. Sometimes um, I think like 60 percent of America says they're Christians, but very few percentages of people actually attend worship services. So people, you can say you're a Christian, but if you don't go to worship, uh, the relationship with God will suffer. Because worship does ground us and sustain us in what is true, especially what's true about God. You know, last Sunday was just a wonderful day. It was a great day of worship here. And uh, we had communion. We baptized these beautiful little girls over here. And the songs were great. You know, it was just a great day. And someone who was here for the first time came up to me afterward. And they said, I am so glad that I came here today. She said, I feel refreshed and encouraged by being here. And that's not to toot any of our own horns, but it's just to say that she felt sustained by what God did in her life while she was here. I was in a small group with someone a few weeks ago, and and they asked at the end of the group, do you do this every week? And the people said, well, yeah, we do. And the person said, good, because I need this. I need this in my life. It's almost like from a deep calling to deep moment, it's something deeper than just the flesh saying, I need what's provided in this moment. And we've all had those experiences in life where you're going through a hard time, you're going through a dry time, a dry season and you feel like there's just nothing sustaining you and grounding you and it's just chaos all around you. But then you enter back into worship. Maybe you've been away for a while and you come back in the door and the minute you walk in, it feels like living water is like pouring over your soul and you feel different Amen? Has anyone ever experienced that? I certainly have. And like, what is that? Or who is that? If people are looking for the proof of the existence of God, that to me is a close one. That it's almost like a tree that knows when it was being sustained or not. that, That you know when you've been grounded or when you haven't. See, we need grounding. We need sustaining. That God doesn't need worship. God is perfect in who God is. We're the ones that need his presence. And he freely gives it, openly to all people that will receive it. Because God knows that we're made of dust. God knows that we're like the flowers of the field. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. So when we worship, we mutually edify each other. We, of course, hear from the word of God. We are people of one book, as John Wesley said. That we want to love each other well. We want to lift up the name of God. And even Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That when we worship, that God is, I think he's literally present in those moments of praise uh, and, and, and worship. But when you step away from it for a while, you can totally feel the difference. in how you treat other people. And how your thoughts and your emotions, you can feel spiritually thirsty. When you're not being grounded and sustained. In worship, I was thinking, "What's the thirstiest I've ever been in my life?" Because we know, like, what we can't go more than three days without water, right? And you know, and that's that's pretty serious stuff. I had an uncle who uh, served in Vietnam, and I remember one Thanksgiving, my uncle told this like incredible war story about they were in these patrols in the jungle and days on end, and he was like, to survive, we had to drink water from rice paddies and and they drank other stuff too, that I won't get into, and just to survive. We had to do this and someone else at the table said, yeah, one time I had a flat tire in August and it was so hot and I felt like I was going to die. And so finally we changed it and we got to a gas station. I drank a whole two liter of Coke and, and I was like, did you just compare his war story to changing a tire? Come on. We know that our physical bodies, though, need water to survive. Our souls need nourishment, too. That we need the Word, the Spirit to refresh us, to, to correct our thinking, to lead us out of a life of sin, to, to press us maybe when we need to be pressed, and to heal us when we need to be healed. And the Bible tells us that, that those who trust in the Lord are like those who have roots that go down near streams of water. And they don't have to search very far to find that sustaining presence, that, that God is close to those who trust in Him. You know, the root system of trees is incredible. Uh, This is a picture of my daughter at a, last year in Tanglewood, we saw saw this tree had tipped over in the woods. This is a pretty small tree. Um, And, you know, we know that the outward branch uh, roots, they really ground the the trunk. Uh, They, of course, provide nourishment up to the trunk, but it's really the taproot that goes down that is in search of the water, and that's what draws the life up into the plant. And if you see a tree next to, like, a river or a stream, they're just bigger Um, they're just massive. Of course, uh, one time we went and saw all the redwood trees in California, and these trees are like 380 feet tall. I mean, unbelievable. 2,000 years old, and they're all next to water. There's always streams, or even the Pacific Ocean um, is nearby. It's incredible. But the Bible says that those who trust in him, when we gather and worship, we're trusting in the Lord. Here are these words of of Jeremiah um, 17. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it's not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. It's, I love that because the, Jeremiah is telling us that those who trust in the Lord, even when, a, when drought comes, you will not fail, you will not faint. There's always power in in sustaining the presence of His Spirit no matter what we're dealing with and going through. That worship does ground us and sustain us in what is true, especially about God. And we need to be grounded today because we're a very distracted people more than ever. Um, I think the way we take in media has changed how our brains are wired and I find myself scanning more than I read than I used to and I find myself being more in a hurry and not diving deep into something um, than I used to. And uh, Microsoft did a study many years ago uh, about this idea, about the attention span of humans. In the year 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. Now um, it is eight seconds. So in the time I said that, some of you started thinking about something else. Um, Now a goldfish has a nine-second attention span. So that's not to be confused with a goldfish's memory. That's a myth, apparently. I don't know how they know this, but a goldfish uh, actually has a decent memory but their their attention span is nine seconds. Um, So Microsoft theorized that the changes were a, a result of the brain's ability to adapt, to change itself over time. And the survey also confirmed the generational differences of mobile use. 77% of 18 to 24 year olds said yes. If nothing's occupying my attention, I will pick up my phone immediately. I can't stand still with my own thoughts. But only 10% of those over the age of 65 said the same thing. Now, congratulate yourself for making it all the way through that illustration. Good job. (laughs) Good job. Because when God wants to sustain us and ground us in worship, uh, God wants our attention in worship right? So we don't just need anointed preaching or anointed uh, worship leading, but we need anointed listeners, right? That, I mean, I don't know, I'm not saying we should bring this back, but for many years, when the Bible was even read, people would stand, right? Remember that? When you're younger, maybe? I went to a church like that, because um, it, it, it demands your attention. There's a reverence to the Word of God, to who God is, that God does want our attention and to be grounded um, in His presence, like we saw last week with Isaiah in the throne room of God, and he has this incredible vision uh, that, that Isaiah didn't experience the most supernatural experience of his life. He actually experienced the most real and true experience of his life. And and in God's presence, or God's presence, yeah, he found his place and his purpose. And we can do the same, like we talked about last week, because if worship is not grounded in what's true, in the word of God, in the Holy Spirit, in God's character, in the Eucharist, if we don't ground worship in that, then many times worship can be grounded in a sort of man-made sort of hype. I had a friend that was an elder at a a large non-national church um, in Greensboro, and um, they really liked it. It was cool and hip and all that, and after a while, though, he's he said the other elders would come up to him on Sunday morning and say, hey man, you don't seem to be as into this as you used to be. Like is something wrong? Like you're not you're not jacked up enough, you know? And he was like, Well, I just don't feel jacked up today. Like I'm just not, I'm not feeling I didn't drink a Red Bull or something. I don't know. Like I just I'm not there. And there's just always this pressure to like hype it up. And they finally left the church because they was like, that's just not authentic. It's not real. Like I'm not gonna do that. And he called it like the emotionally jacked upness church. <laughs> And, you know, some churches don't want the spirit. They just want the kick drum, right? And we've got to be careful with that because if you don't, it, you can err on the side of entertainment. Now, don't get me wrong, God can use planning. He always has and he always will. But many times, you, it, that churches like that represent a lack of faith. You're not trusting God to be God. You're not letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. You're kind of crowding him out and you're erring on the side of entertainment. And uh, I don't think God's really a part of that type of worship sometimes. And I've been guilty of it over the years. A.W. Tozer said this, The church that can't worship must be entertained. And men who can't lead a church to worship must provide the entertainment. A.W. A. Tozer doesn't mess around. Um, he's right. And so you have to you gotta be, watch who it's for, right? Audience of one. Why are we doing this? Is it for our edification, Is it only for us to promote how cool we are? Or is it to lift up the name of Jesus above our own? Now, yeah. now here, we're not in the business of entertainment. We definitely affirm that. And, but I, I get that. I get it. Because I've led worship services where I did feel insecure. And I felt uh, that no one is engaging. No one cares. And I got to do something to make this work. And so you feel desperate to sort of manipulate the experience, right? And 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 to control it a bit more easily, but the danger of that is that sometimes you can you're not you're not listening to what the Spirit might be saying, and you're just sort of ignoring his leadership. That's a horrifying reality. It's a sobering truth. That let's just be reminded that all I can we can control is this space and here and now. We will tell you we're going to let God be God, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit do whatever He wants to express himself however he wants and lead however he wants. And we're, we should leave time for silence. Leave time for, to be still in God's presence. Leave time to weep. Leave time to dance. Leave time to kneel on the ground if you want to. Leave time to come pray up here if you want to. That, leave time to shout. Leave time where you don't feel anything at all. That's not always about feeling. It, it can just be about faith. It doesn't mean that God's not present i love reading about revivals in history there was one in the nation of wales in the early 20th century uh if you've never read about the welsh revival i recommend you you check it out uh and to summarize it um there was a lot of prayer uh, in months leading up to this that people were praying over the youth of this small island off you know off in the united kingdom um and it Basically, the spirit has started to move in such a way that people didn't want to leave their churches. Literally, they would be in worship service for days on end. Um, and the God did so many miracles at that time that the police force got um, done away with because no one committed any more crimes. And that's true. Um, but what I always I love about reading about it is that in the worship services, um, there wouldn't be a sermon typically that they would simply sit and wait for the Holy Spirit to do what he wanted to do. And over time, people would start to sing spontaneously. They would start to um, pray, to stand, to express themselves however he was leading. And so we don't really like that because we don't want to abdicate control sometimes. And sometimes maybe this experience is so foreign to so many churches because churches aren't looking for it. We're not really hungering for that. Um, it's easier to go on the other side of, don't get me wrong, God needs planning, okay? <laughs> but if this nation is going to be saved, it's going to come through moments like that for people. When they experience God in a real and true and authentic way. To be okay with silence. There's a song we're going to sing in a second called um, Heart of Worship. And uh, it was written out of a time of a church called Soul Survivor in England. When they were growing, the leaders, the worship leader had like le- had on like leather pants and uh, laser beams and smoke machines and all that stuff. And the pastor of that church one day said, no, tear it all down. We're not, we're not doing it the right way. And he said, let's put, let's put all that away for a little while and get back to what this is really about. It's always been about him and it always will be. So, they phased they that stuff back in like eventually, but they stri- stripped it all down to the bare bones and said, What is this about? And sometimes on Sundays, it would just be us around a piano, and we would just sing. And that's the, where the song came from. And I think in the next few moments, that's our goal here, really every Sunday, right? It's just to encounter the living God in ways that change us, in ways that transform the world. So, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to leave some time for silence. And then you participate with God, however he leads you to. And to know that if you're in a place of mourning, that those who weep with tears will, will reap with songs of joy. That Sometimes we need to, to cry to express ourselves. I talked to somebody just this week that said I was in worship, and I just started crying. And I said, listen to your body. It's okay. Feel what you want to feel. Sometimes God, that's a good thing to birth that up in us. But here and now, we're going to pray and wait on the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you ground us and sustain us in what's true. God, we want to return back every week to what your calling on people has always been, which is to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's always our goal. It's just to touch your heart to experience you God in ways that are real and authentic here and now. So we welcome your work, O oh God. Still our scattered senses and slow us down. Thank you Jesus that you're here with us. Heal, revive, restore whatever it is that needs your touch today.